So we're in week four of, uh, of our sermon series called Heaven Sent. And so what we've been talking about, we've been, it's all been based in the book of Matthew chapter 10. And uh, in, in a moment, if, you, if you've got your Bibles here, open up to Matthew chapter 10 because we're going to finish off Matthew chapter 10 today. Uh, and I'm going to get Sharon to read that out for us in a moment. But, but just in recap, week one, we covered that we are sent. We are the sent ones. It's not just the paid staff in a church that are sent ones. We are all missionaries. And last week, you might recall, we had Peter Hanrahan here from Youth Care, and he was talking about chaplaincy. And part of his message to us was that we are all sent. We're all missionaries. We're all called. And it just fit the, the, the message beautifully. And is even that, you might remember last week, if you were here, I mentioned the original word apostle before it became, you know, what we think of it today. But originally, it was a Roman word. And what it was, it was these apostles who were normally high up in the army. They were normally captains and you know, centurions and stuff in the army. But they were sent to a city that had been conquered by Rome. And their assignment was to bring the culture and the ways uh, of the kingdom of Rome. They were taught that they were, they were charged to bring language, to bring culture, to bring education, to make this city into... To, to make it look just like Rome. Does that make sense? So these apostles were charged to bring the culture from the kingdom they were sent from. Uh, and they had a lot of authority to do it. It was as if the, the, the king himself was speaking when they spoke. So they had a lot of authority, um, but their charge was to bring culture from the kingdom they came from and, and, and deliver it to the people that they are sent to. And I love that because that's actually the same charge that we all have. The word missionary and that meaning of the word apostle is very much the same thing. We're all sent, remember, from the kingdom of heaven to bring the kingdom of heaven's culture and the kingdom of heaven's ways, words, works of Jesus to the people who are, who are new to this kingdom. And we call it discipleship. So we are, in fact, all sent ones. We are all missionaries uh, and that was, that was week one. Week two, we talked about what, the, what is the message. We talked about there is, uh, so the kingdom of God is drawn near. So that was what Jesus told them to say. The kingdom of God has come close. The kingdom of God is accessible to you now. And then, so there was this declaration of saying that. But then there was also a doing. Because the instructions were, uh, declare to them, the kingdom of God is drawn near. And then just heal the sick. <laughs> heal the sick who were there, which is why we were talking about how do you pray for healing. And so there is this declaration and a demonstration when it comes to the kingdom. And then last week we unpacked that a little bit further. And as we talked about, actually the message of the kingdom is that we are now forgiven. Because of what Jesus has done, we now, he's built the bridge back with, our, with, with Father God. And so the old version of us that struggled with sin and that was, that was condemned to death for eternity is now gone. And now there's a new, a born-again version of us that is, that is missionaries, that are, are ambassadors for Christ to, to represent him in the world. And so that's the message. And then last week we talked about um, a how-to. We actually unpacked the person of peace strategy. Uh, and so if, these are all online if you want to listen to any of these. Uh, but the person of peace strategy is quite simply, 
believing that God is always speaking to people. It's the Holy Spirit who draws people unto Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who does that work. But we, our job description is to partner with God on that mission. And so how do you know? Oh, God, who is it that you're sending me to? There's so many people on my street. Who is it that you're sending me to? There's so many people in my workplace. How do I figure out who to speak to? Well, the personal peace strategy made it a little bit more simple, and we unpacked it. But in summary, it's do they like you? Do they listen to you? And do they serve you? And if they tick all three of those boxes, then maybe they're a person of peace for you. And you have permission. If they're ready to listen to you, then you have permission to speak. If, if they like you or not, well, if they don't like you, you won't get past, the, you know, you won't get very far at all. Um, but if they, so maybe you have a neighbor, like I told a little story of we had a, Sean and I had a neighbor who um, they liked us and they served us, but they weren't really li- ready to listen to us. But, so what do you do? It, maybe they, pick two, they tick a couple of boxes, but not all three. Just keep praying for them. We are called to be people who pray. And so you pray for your work colleagues, you pray for your neighbours, you, you pray for who, whatever area God has sent you to, your first job is to pray and to invite Jesus to come in. And then be paying attention. Who is it that God's highlighting to you? And what does that look like? Do they like you, listen to you and serve you? And if they don't tick all those boxes, just keep praying that God will speak to them, be a good, be a good witness, be looking for opportunities, but, but don't take the pressure on because the instructions in the, that Jesus gave to his disciples was, look, if they're not ready to listen to you, just dust, just dust the dust off your feet and keep going. Don't get offended. Don't, don't worry. Pray that God will send someone to them. That, and maybe they'll be a person of peace for someone else. Is that okay? So that's what we talked about last week. Now, this week, we're just going to actually... So we spent three weeks talking about the first 15 verses... In, uh, in Matthew chapter 10. Now today we're going to finish off the rest. So I'm going to get Sharon to come and read in a moment, verses 16 to 42 of Matthew chapter 10. So feel free to follow along. It won't be on the screen. Um, but let me open in prayer first as Sharon comes up. Father God, we thank you for you. And as today, as we unpack your heart, your intentionality, the, the reason why you have sent people, uh, Lord, we just, we just pray that you'll speak to us. We, we, I pray that you'll give us ears that are ready to hear what you are saying and even filter out the dumb stuff that I say and listen to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll give us hearts that are ready to receive as we want to be people who know how to follow you and who have a heart to follow you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have your Bible, flip open to Matthew chapter 10 and we're going to start with verse 16. Thank you, Sharon. Red one, great. Matthew 10, verse 16. And this isn't an easy passage to hear. So, yes, as Matt's just prayed, may God really open our hearts to hear Mm. the message. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death 
and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the, house, sorry, the, if the head of the house has been called Bilzebul, how much more will the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemy will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Thank you so much, Sharon. So just remember that Jesus is speaking directly to his 12 disciples so that's a little bit of context he's speaking to the 12 so he's he's given them the message he's told them to go he's given them some some stuff to do this is how you look out for people and now this whole section uh, i feel like it comes under heaven's heart this is his intention and you if you look at it you can actually i've broken it down this is just my headings but i've broken it down i can see it starts with a warning and then there's a, a, a covenant. And then there's, it explains his intention. And, ex, and there's a brief mention of reward at the end. So you'll see that as we go through. Now what I'm going to do is just going to go through and, uh, and unpack it as we go. So let's go. Okay, verse 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Let me ask, what's the relationship between a sheep and a wolf? They're enemies, yeah. Dinner, that's exactly right. A wolf is aggressive and eats sheep. But he's saying, I'm sending you out as if you're a sheep. 
Now, we're often described as sheep because we sheep are great at following the shepherd. And that's our job description, right? To follow Jesus as our good shepherd. But he's saying, he's, he's saying it straight out, it's going to be dangerous. I'm sending you out among wolves. Sheep are innocent. Wolves are aggressive predators. And Jesus acknowledges this, but he has some advice. So this is the advice. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. I've got to be honest, that's not how I describe a snake. Uh, to be shrewd, but shrewd, what that, what that means is um, to be wise, to have cunning, to, to, think, to think well about stuff. And then obviously innocent is, is to be pure, is to be guilt-free, is to be innocent. And so that's what we are to do. We're to think wisely, to be cunning, but also to be innocent in everything that we do as we go. Be on your guard, verse 17, and you'll be handed over. Sorry, be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and be flogged in synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. That's heavy. So part of his, part of Jesus's plan actually is to send us as witnesses but to be his witnesses sometimes that might mean we get flogged in the synagogues like that's heavy now nowadays that's a level of persecution that we're not very familiar with in this time and place right but there are certainly places around the world that are familiar with this kind of persecution if 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 you're in if you're a christian in iran or india or China and there's so many other places, there's actually different levels of persecution around the world where people are putting their lives on the line every day. And Jesus is saying, actually, this is part of the plan. I'm going to put you in that place so that you can be my witness. And sometimes there's a cost. It's, it's, it kind of... There's this other version of, of the gospel out there called, we call it the health, wealth, prosperity doctrine. And that's the opposite of this passage, isn't it? It's like, um, that, that would suggest that, you know what, come to Jesus and then everything's going to work perfectly from now on. And if, if things go wrong, it's because you don't have enough faith, just have more faith. And it, it, I think that's, uh, the truth is it's based on a little bit of truth, but it's grossly exaggerated. Jesus' plan here is, no, no, I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to represent me. And if that means that you get flogged in the process, that's okay with Jesus. He's, he's telling him straight up, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. See, the modern promise of following Jesus, this health, wealth, prosperity, is quite incompatible with this passage. The, um, now, now, like I said, it was based on a little bit of truth because the truth is I feel way more blessed as a follower of Jesus than I did before I followed Jesus. There is blessing. There is favor. I see the, the favor of God on my life. So it's, it's not like it's, it's all wrong. There is favor. There is blessing. There is, there is wealth. Our Father in heaven is the wealthiest being in, the, in, in existence. And his what and, and he makes his resources accessible to us. Like we shouldn't want for anything. But at the same time, 
That's not always his plan. His plan A is for you to be a good witness. And if that means, uh, and so let's face it, a lot of the time, especially for us in the today's day and age, if we've got too much money, we take our eyes off of Jesus. And, I'm, I, and, I, and just hear me, I don't think we should have a poverty mentality either. I think there's traps on both sides of this. It's really, it's really hard to navigate. But you just, we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus and being a faithful witness. And knowing that his favour and his blessing is with us, he is with us all the time. Sometimes his will for us as his faithful ambassadors is to be flogged so that we can be his witnesses. We live in a time and a place where persecution is really soft, let's face it. But who knows? If, if this, I've mentioned this a few times to a few people, but if this bill that's before our Australian government right now about, um, oh, what's that word? The, the freedom of speech, it's... it's uh, um, the misinformation, yeah, there's a word that talks about you're not allowed to do that. Um, but the, the freedom of speech is basically directly, um, it means censorship. Censorship, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, if, this, if, the, if that gets through, then in fact, this message that I'm speaking today, because I've mentioned a few things, uh, would probably get censored. It would get deleted from the, like, our podcast wouldn't be allowed up. Like, that's, that's where we're heading if, if, you know, the enemy gets his way in our country. So I'd invite you to pray. Pray that we continue with the freedom, but also pray that the church does something with that freedom. We need to be willing to be good witnesses no matter what. Right now, we've got it pretty easy. The, our version of persecution is, oh, someone didn't like me, um, or they said a nasty thing about me, uh, or something like that. Whereas, you know, there might be a, a time where uh, I get sent to jail for saying a message like this. And my response to that thought, when I said that to my wife, she was like, that's all right, I'll be right there with you. I was like, yeah, but probably in the female prison, that's not good. Um, but my, my response to that is, well, if they chuck all the pastors in jail, then revival's coming to the jail. Like, we can, we can change Australia from the inside out. So, um, like, we don't need to be worried. We don't need to be concerned. We need to remember that we're on, we're on King Jesus' team, and he's, he's winning. He's going to win, as prophesied. The Bible says it all over. So we don't need to be concerned, but we do need to be willing to be good witnesses. And there's some warnings coming that we'll get to. Okay, back to the scripture. Verse 19. But when they arrest you, not if they arrest you, but when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That is really comforting. You don't have to be prepared for that moment. And you know what? To be a faithful witness, you don't need a theological degree. You don't, you don't need to go to Bible college to be a faithful witness. You just simply need to fully embrace your relationship with the Lord and be a witness. Be, represent Him well. Be ambassadors for Him. You simply need to surrender and be sold out to Christ. We don't use that word very much anymore. I grew up in the 90s. The word sold out was all over the place. You can't follow Jesus and follow your own path. You've got to be sold out to him, or effectively you're sold out to yourself. 
You can't follow, you can't do thing, everything that you want to do and follow Jesus and be a good witness. Now, I'm not saying he won't let you continue in your career. I'm not saying you need to dump everything and, and go to Bible college. I'm not saying that. In fact, I'm saying the opposite. What I'm saying is we are called to be good witnesses wherever we are. But, and if that costs, sometimes that costs. But we need to be fully sold out to Jesus. And at some point, if that means that there's some persecution that comes our way, praise the Lord. The early church celebrated in those moments. They celebrated hard in those moments. In fact, I've heard a story of some Chinese pastors who are now living in America. And they actually, they actually missed the persecution because it was so good for them. Crazy thing to say, right? I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that out loud, but, but I don't think it's a secret. They actually missed the jail time and they missed the persecution that they were under. And they actually, a little bit of, part of them wanted to go back. We, can't, we don't understand that here in Australia. What does it look like for you to be sold out? To be faithful wherever he sends you. Let's keep going. Verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death and the father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Wow. You will be hated by everyone because of me, because Jesus is saying. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Now, a lot of us look at this and we think he's actually being prophetic. And the truth is, I think he is being a bit prophetic, especially for the early church. But remember, he was sending the 12 to go to the towns in their area in front of him. And it was his plan to then go to those towns. And so there's a little bit of a literally... It won't be very long before I arrive, uh, and we're going to go to these towns. But, uh, there, but most theologians also believe that he had some, there was a prophetic word here, especially for the early church, because they were heavily persecuted in those early days. Um, depending on who the, there's a, there's a few different Roman, um, what they, is it pharaohs? There was a, there was a, it's not pharaohs, that's Egypt, right? Emperor. There was a few emperors that were particularly nasty to Christians, and some of them weren't. Um, but some of them, like, that's where we, they were fed to lions and, and they were burnt and there was all kinds of uh, crazy stuff that happened. Um, it's, it's said that uh, under uh, Emperor Nero is when both Peter and uh, Peter and James, I think it was, they were both persecuted to death uh, under his reign. Okay. So in the early church, just in case you didn't know this, all of the disciples were martyred except for one. But all of them suffered martyrdom, which, again, that's why most theologians think that this was a prophetic word. Does anyone know the, the one disciple that wasn't killed? Yeah, yeah, there's a few hands. Thank you. It was John. Yeah, and, and I, love to th I like to think that Jesus probably knew that or that maybe he was protected because John's the one that he asked to look after his mum. And, and he did, um, all the days of her life. 
He was, they tried to execute John tw- twice and it didn't work. There you go. We should, get, we should get you up here, brother. That's why he ended up at Patmos, he's saying, because um, it was like a jail island. Um, yeah, fantastic. Okay, verse 24. The student is, is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for his students to be like their teachers and, and servants like their masters. If the head of his house has been called Beelzebub, uh, or Beelzebub, another version might say, how much more would the members of his household? Do you guys know what Beelzebub, Beelzebub stands for the devil. So, and they accused Jesus of being, of casting out, of healing people, doing miraculous things in the power of the devil. Uh, and so that's what he's making reference to here. If people accuse me, uh, the head of the house, of being of the devil, how much more are they going to do that to you, followers of the household? Verse 26, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Remember, Jesus is saying that they hated me uh, and accused me of being Beelzebub. So how much more will they do it to you uh, as you represent me? Yep, absolutely. But don't be afraid. Be bold. That's his advice here. Be bold. Declare all the stuff that I've whispered to you and explained to you in darkness. Proclaim it out loud. And that, that's, I think that's good advice for us as well. Proclaim it from the rooftops. Verse 28. You'll see we're moving fairly quick. Uh, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Be afraid of the one who can kill both your soul and your body in hell. Just in case you're not clear, soul uh, makes reference to our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. And then, of course, you know what a body is. Uh, and a spirit is, our, is separate again. So he's saying, they can't touch your soul. They can't touch that eternal part of you that will continue. So be more afraid of the one who can. Guys, this is the recipe for being sold out to Jesus. This, this one point right now. Keeping our eyes on eternity rather than on what's in front of you right now. This is the recipe of being sold out for Jesus. Live for eternity. Lift your eyes up and be more focused on eternal consequences than on current consequences. That's what made the early church so powerful. They were like, you can't hurt me. You can hurt my body, but you can't hurt me. I follow the one true God. I I live for forever. And there's nothing you can do to affect that. The only thing that will affect that is if I choose to walk away from that and be more concerned about what you can do to me than what God can do to me. Let me encourage all of us. Uh, My wife and I were having this conversation just this morning. We all need to lift our eyes above the worldly horizon onto eternal. And if we can keep our eyes on eternity, it changes everything. Because the truth is, all the wealth that the world around us is telling us to consume, all, 
everything that we're told to focus on, you can't take it with you. You can't take your house with you, your boat with you. You can't take your Facebook friends with you. Like, well, actually, you can. The one people that we can take with us is our neighbors. We can take people with us to heaven. That's the only thing we can take with us. All the more reason for us to embrace the mission of God. Because it's all about people. Keep, uh, let me, keep your eyes lifted. Have an eternal perspective. Mm. All right. Verse 29. There's a little bit more rationale here. Are two sparrows not sold for a penny? In other words, they're not worth very much. We've got this beautiful sparrow that's taken up residence in our tree back here. It is gorgeous. Is it a sparrow? I can't remember now. It's beautiful. Let's pretend it's a sparrow. Um, it's probably not. Daniel will tell. If, I'm, I'm glad Daniel's not here. He'd be yelling at me right now. He, he loves animals. Um, these sparrows, they're not worth very much. Yet one of them, if one of them falls to the ground outside your father's care. Sorry, I didn't read that right. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. God notices even the sparrows. And even the very hair on your head is numbered. He knows you so well. He even knows how many hairs you have on your head or don't have on your head. He knows. He knows us in he knows us so well. So don't be afraid, verse 31. You are worth more than many sparrows. God knows you and he cares about you and he will watch you. And no matter what happens, no matter where your opportunities to be a strong witness for him take you, know that he is with you. And then here comes the covenant. This is a covenant, a covenant like a, a deal. It's stronger than a contract. He's saying, you do this and I'll do this. This is a covenant with heaven. Verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, Jesus speaking, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. This is a really simple calculation. If we acknowledge Jesus before other people, he will acknowledge us on judgment day. He will say, it's okay, Father, he's with me. She's with me. They're covered. They're safe. They can avoid that bit. They're with me. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. <laughs> and the calculation here is, you simply need to be a good witness. We need to, but if you disown him before others, if, if you deny him, then he'll deny us on judgment day. That's not cool. It's not complicated, but that doesn't make it easy. Uh, we live for him. And if we can live, keep our eyes fixed on eternity, then this will become easier to do. You guys know, understand hell is not designed for us. Hell is designed for the enemy. There is this, there is this um, like belief out there that hell is going to be this fun party place because the devil's in charge. Have you guys heard that? It's very popular with young people. Oh, no, I'm going to go to hell. That, that's, that's the place where I have freedom to do whatever I want and be naughty and be, and, and be crazy. 
and, you know, it's just going to be like a big barbecue. Um, that, that's a little bit true. <laughs> that's not, that is not the truth. Hell is, the devil is not in charge of hell. Hell is his punishment. Revelation 19 spells that out really clear. He, no, he hasn't been there. The, the, the lake of fire is in front of him. That's his, that's, uh, it's his um, sentence. He's been condemned already. And the lake of fire will be, his, will be his eternal destruction. That's what it is. And it's designed for the angels that turned away from God. And unfortunately, the devil's done a good job of inviting us to come with him. He's, he's a manipulator. He's a liar. He's got nothing to lose because he's condemned anyway. And he is trying to get as many of God's children there as well. And that's the truth. We've all been given a free will by God. And we can choose. Do we, do we choose to step back into the relationship we were designed for? Because we were designed for a relationship with God right back in the Garden of Eden. We've, we've spoken about this a number of times as a church. We were designed for a relationship with God. And, but you don't have to have one. We're not forced. He's a gentleman and he wants to give us as many opportunities to say yes to him as we can. But the truth is, we don't have to choose it. But the only other alternative is all the rebels, all the people who have denied and disowned this, that relationship will all go with the devil into the lake of fire. It's not cool. It's not a party. It is eternal judgment. It's described as burning sulfur. That's not cool. Okay. Sorry, I, I jumped ahead of myself, so I'm just catching myself back up. Okay, let's just go down. Verse 34. Now, so we've talked about the warning, and we've talked about the covenant... Now we're getting into God is, Jesus is explaining his intention. This is the intention of, of, of heaven. And in these, in these uh, next verses, Jesus makes it really clear that he's not there to play nice. I'm not here to play nice. The truth, I'm here to bring truth. And the truth brings division sometimes. Let's read it, verse 34. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a, man's, a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's, that little bit there, was actually a direct quote from Micah, chapter 7, verse 6. So he's actually quoting a prophecy right now. A man's enemy will be the members of his home. Sorry, I came in halfway through a sentence. A man, enemies will, the members of his household, sorry. Let's go first to 37. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or their daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So like I said, if you're taking notes, he quoted Micah chapter 7 verse 6 in, in there. While he, and so he's making reference to a prophecy. God's agenda is not to play nice. It's to offer truth. And the truth often divide families. I'm, I'm not going to ask for hands, but I'm sure many of us already know that. This truth of the gospel 
has divided our families. Keep praying for them. God's agenda is truth. That's it. It's truth. That's God's agenda. And we, as his followers, are to be representatives of that truth. And he understands. Yep, no, it's, gonna, it's, it's, a divisive, it's, a, it's a divisive thing. Because so many people have chosen to not follow that. They've chosen to follow their own truth and make up their own truth, which is popular nowadays. We were made by God for relationship. This is the summary of the truth. We were designed by God for relationship as sons and as daughters. We stepped out of that relationship. The Son of God was sent to repair that relationship legally. And so that legally, we could have a choice to come back into that relationship. As back into that father-son, father-daughter relationship as the bride of Christ. What a beautiful truth that is. It's a life-setting free truth. Verse 38, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. See, when you live for yourself, ultimately, you lose your eternal life. But when you, give your, when you surrender your life to Jesus, then you gain your eternal life. Eternal life versus eternal death. That's what he's saying. He's saying, come on, what's, if, you, if you lift your eyes up, this is one of the life-changing realizations of my younger years, is I started living for eternity instead of for now. And if you, when you lift your eyes up and you read verses like this, and you go, okay, what's, let, let's, even if I'm being selfish right now, actually, I'd prefer to live in paradise forever than in hell. Uh, and this... The average lifespan is 80 years. The choice is you live selfishly for 80 years and then die eternally. Or you live a surrendered life to God for your lifespan and then you live forever in paradise. So that's the calculation. It's at the end of the day, possibly we're, we're really selfish actually. <laughs> really think of it like that. But the truth is surrender is the key. Surrender is the key. You live for me and you live forever, Jesus says. A person of faith is all about understanding and believing that eternity is real. At the end of the day, we believe that eternity is real. If we didn't believe that, then this probably isn't the smartest choice. Especially if it means that sometimes you get put before judges and you're flogged. But if eternity is real then actually we've made the right calculation. So the real question for those who haven't said yet yes to Jesus yet is, are you, uh, how confident are you that there's no life beyond this life? I'm confident there is life beyond this life because this is what the Word of God says. And that's what faith looks like. I've chosen to believe that. Okay, verse 40 and 42. 242. It just makes reference of a reward now. Um, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. 
Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. These are making references, especially to Jewish customs, that maybe we're not very familiar with. Verse 42. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So there's a bit of talk of rewards there. Um, but I, as I've thought about this in context of the rest of the chapter, I really believe this is talking about when we go out there and we have found a person of peace and we've spoken peace to them and we've been faithful and represented the gospel to them, I think this reward is actually referring to their salvation. That they actually... Uh, salvation is the biggest miracle of, of all of the miracles. That we were condemned to death, that we were sinners, and now we've been given this new life in Christ. There is no bigger miracle than that, I don't believe. It is incredible. And I think this is the reward, because obviously we've been talking about the reward that goes on forever, just in these previous verses. And like I said, there's, there's, there's more... There's more nuances there which we don't have time to go into today, but uh, that makes reference to when you accept a prophet, you know, you get a prophet's reward. I know it's one of Sean's favourite verses. He'll, he'll preach on it one day. Um, but I, I think the focus here uh, for us is we are sent ones. We've been sent with a message. We've been given strategies. And uh, when we, and there's warnings. And there's intentions, there's a covenant. Jesus will be with us. He will not forsake us. He's, and he's going to reward us. And, and reward the people that say yes and accept us. Because the emphasis on these verses is the people who are receiving the righteous person. The people who are receiving that prophet. The people who give a cup of water will receive these amazing rewards. Amazing stuff. We're just going to move into a time of communion now. I hope I didn't move too fast. I feel like I moved really fast through those verses, mostly because I did. Um, but I hope that you've heard the heart. And the heart is, is that uh, there was warning, but there's covenant. I'm sending you and it's going to be dangerous, but it's covenant and it's going to be worth it. I think... If I was to sum up this message, it would be we, as followers of Jesus, need to lift our eyes above the promises of this world and look into eternity and look and focus our heads and our hearts on the promise of eternity. I think if you've been asleep and, and now you're wanting to know what I just said, that's, that's the thing, that's the takeaway. <laughs> that's the takeaway. We need to live for eternity. And be faithful as sent ones. Now in a moment, I'm going to invite you to go to the back. I'm, I've, I've got a song that, that ministered to me. Uh, actually, well, we've been here for a year now. And so when I was praying and wrestling with God about this role, um, you know, because saying yes to Jesus, you know, there's, it's not always easy. There's a bit of a cost. Just so you know, we love it here. Um, so it's okay, it makes the cost feel a lot easier. But, um, 
But this particular song, as I, as I was praying, this song really ministered to me. Uh, and I believe it sums up our um, sermon series really well. It's a song called Available. Um, and basically the, the author is just singing, Hey, I just want to be available to be used by you, Lord. And that's my prayer for each of us. As, as my family and I made ourselves available to be used by God, and we were like, take us anywhere. Take us anywhere in the world. And we're really grateful he brought us to such a beautiful place as Geraldton. But the truth is, when you, that's a bold prayer. When you say, all right, Lord, I want to be available to be used by you. I'm surrendered. It's, that's, and I think it's actually a really important prayer. When it comes to that verse, um, don't deny me or I'll deny you. Be faithful to me and I'll be faithful to you. Live a surrendered life. Be available to be used by Lord. Right where you are. And I'm not saying you're all being called and sent across the seas or anything. What I'm saying is all of us are sent ones right where we are right now. And of course, if he gives you a more specific direction, then you need to obey that. But you live as sent ones now. So we're just going to hit play and I'm just going to invite you to maybe we'll just dim the lights again just because I want to give you some space to pray. Make your way back to the table and uh, grab your communion and I'll come up and pray at the end. Thank you.